I want to talk to you about a subject because I don't, I am not a big, uh, I don't get in a room somewhere or go away somewhere, and I'm not criticizing this, but this isn't who I am. I don't plan a whole year's worth of preaching in advance. Some preachers do that. I don't do it. You'll never find me to do a series like through the book of Acts or through the book of John or through the book of Matthew or through the book of Hebrews in a preaching environment. Uh, and the reason for that is I've always just gone to God and said, what do you want for your people this week? <clears throat> or next week, I may work ahead a week or two. And it's, I believe in all good conscience, I have done what God has told me to do that He felt you needed. Uh, so that's what I'm doing this morning again. Um, are you in, a, in the wilderness of life? Are you in a wilderness experience? I've talked to a lot of people over the phone who have been in trouble who are in the midst of a wilderness experience. And they're calling me because they are in pain. They're in pain of some kind. Most of the time, it's more emotional pain than physical pain. By the way, emotional pain, I think, is worse than physical pain. I've had a lot of physical pain. And I've had some emotional pain, and I would always prefer physical pain over emotional pain. Emotional pain can be the most severe of all pain. You can't get away from it. And so they'll call me and I for comfort. And this is the area that I go to with them to try to help them understand what's going on. Because a lot of them are born-again believers. And they do not think that God would have them go through this kind of pain. They just don't understand it. They don't know why they're in that pain. It seems strange to them that as a believer that wanted to do right or maybe is doing right, that God would lead them into a painful situation. But I, I was led to do this this morning. I, I'm sure some people are here this morning that this is for you. I don't know that individually, but I know that God never, never speaks in vain. Uh, Luke uh, chapter 8, I'm going to go to two places. You don't have to turn there because I'm going to go too quickly. But Luke chapter 8, verse 29, Mark chapter 1, verse 12 are the key verses that I'm going to use here. This will be on the internet. This will be on iTunes. This will be on audiosermon.com. This will be on our website for you to look at again if you'd like to look at it, listen to it, or view it. Um, either way. I'm going to read verse uh, Luke 8, 27, give you a little background. We're talking about the Gadarene maniac. I've been to the Sea of Galilee, and I've seen where they, where the swine went off. There's only one place on the Sea of Galilee, which is uh, seven miles wide and 13 miles, or I think about long. There's only one place on that whole sea that there's a cliff. And the swine ran off of a cliff into the sea. How accurate is the Bible? 2,000 years old in this section, about 2,000 years. And yet it's exactly accurate. There's only one place, and that's the area of uh, the Gadarene, or Gadara. And that's where this is happening at. And they arrived in the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when they went forth to land, they met him out of the city, a certain man which had devils or demons there a long time and wore no clothes. He went, wherever there's demons or nakedness, boy, I just could stop there and preach. Wherever there's a demonic influence, there's nakedness. You can, I know this to be, I'm not postulating this. I'm telling you this is a fact. 
scripture, and it's a fact of life. When a country goes away from God, they get more naked. They get more revealing, low-cut, high-cut, shrink wrap on the girls, mostly. Men, too, but men are sight-oriented. It's real hard on men to go around with girls dressed like that. And here he was. The devil obviously took control of this man. What did, he, what did the devil do to the guy? He stripped him. And he wore no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus? Now, these are the demons in him talking to Jesus. He said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? They knew who he was. I beseech thee, torment me not. Now, if you don't get saved before you die or the rapture, you're going to say the same thing to Jesus. You are going to say the same thing to Jesus. Torment me not. For there's nothing in the future of those who miss Jesus but torment. I want you to let that sink in a little bit. I'm trying to tell you, I'm 40, 50 years studying the Bible. There's nothing in the future of the unsaved except torment. Man, you don't want that. You want to get saved. You say, I should get saved to miss hell? That's a good reason. For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of him, the man, for oftentimes it had caught him and kept him bound and changed in fetters, and he break the bands, and this is something, if you're in the Bible there, Luke 8.29, you can underline or color, and, I w and was driven of the devil's into the wilderness. And I'm going to repeat it. And was driven of the devils into the wilderness. Then I'm going to go to Mark, which is a completely different passage. Mark chapter uh, 1 verse 9. And it's talking about the baptism of Jesus. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. The straightway coming out of the water... That's some immersion baptism. Why do we baptize by immersion? Why don't we sprinkle? Because the Bible talks about immersion. And we just try to copy whatever the Bible says. Amen. When I got saved, my whole being got saved. I didn't get, I didn't get a little sprinkle. I got it all. And when you get immersed, it's, it's a, so buried in Christ to raise and walk in newness of life. We believe baptism and Jesus came up out of the water. There's other places. He saw heavens open and a spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son. What kind of son? Beloved. In whom I am well pleased. That's the father, of course. And then look what happens in verse 12. And immediately the spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. In Matthew chapter 4, we find the temptation of Jesus, the most classical place for it. And, and you see there in chapter 4, just three real short tempta you know, temptations were, but there was much more than that. What's in the Bible is just a small little portion of what Jesus was tempted. 
Bible says here for 40 days he was tempted of the devil. You have a choice in this life and of two different paths. No one really realizes what lies ahead of us. Nobody in this room does know what's going on for tomorrow. I hate to say it, but as a generation, because of the prosperity we've, we, my generation, has enjoyed the greatest prosperity of probably any nation ever in history. But what that has done is it's made us addicted to luxury and amenities and conveniences and possessions and comforts. We become pampered, cuddled, spoiled. We like to be the center of attention. We worship fun, excitement, and entertainment. And that, someday we hope to, as, as young people, we hope to meet as a girl. Let's just, I'm going to speak for a girl right now. I didn't used to have to define this, but I do now. They will meet Mr. A girl will meet Mr. Wright, fall madly in love, have a beautiful family, perfectly healthy kids, wonderful grandkids that, that love them and are grateful to be their children, and they'll live happily ever after. Sound like a fairy tale? But it's not long into this life that one realizes that the other naivete, the other naivete of this kind of thinking. Job chapter 14, verse 1. I have a kind of a, a text ministry that I, I text people, verses and things that are on my heart. And Brother Bob Carney sitting back in the back there. I text him this verse to encourage him. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Right, Bobby? I try to encourage Bob with that. He says, well, that kind of encouragement, man. What do I need? Well, it encourages me. That verse encourages me. Because that tells me why I've had happen a lot of the things that have happened in my life. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Trouble comes for both the Christian and the non-Christian. There are either, you're here today, either have been, are or it's coming a wilderness experience of trouble for you. I just wanted to give you that good news. <clears throat> no one escapes it. It comes in different forms. It comes in varying lengths of time, but it will come. Now, that's the introduction. Now I want to help you um, with it when it comes, because today's message will help you to assimilate, to connect the dots when trouble comes into your life. In our text, we see a man from Gadara. He was possessed of devils, driven into the wilderness. We see Jesus, who was baptized, the perfect, sinless Son of God, who was driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. One driven into the wilderness by the devil. One driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. But both were driven into the wilderness. The man of Gadara represents, I believe, the unsaved population. Those who are not born from above, but they are our brothers and sisters in the flesh, meaning we, we, we share a commonality of being human. Jesus represents the saved of this world. Those who are born from above, above seal of the Holy Spirit of God, and would be called children of God. Both groups suffer. Wilderness 
experiences. Which wilderness experience do you want? I think there's too many, way too many preachers, it seems like, out there all over the internet, all over TV, that want, they tell folks, once you get saved, your troubles will be over. They'll sing songs. Remember Doug Odom? Happiness all the time, wonderful peace of mind when I found the Lord. Boom, boom, boom. Happiness. Boom, boom, boom. Peace of mind. Boom, boom, boom. Joy of living. Boom, boom, boom. Love sublime. Boom, boom. And I could go on. That song is not telling the truth. Or all of us are backslid and been backslid. Happiness all the time. Was, was he married? Did he have any friends? But what has God said? Well, the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness, not the devil. And all I can say is if Jesus needed a wilderness experience to help and to test him, and he did. Hebrews confirms it. How much more do we need a wilderness experience as a born-again Christian? Because we are partakers and followers, imitators of what Jesus is and what he did. Matthew 20, verse 23, he told the disciples, he says, You shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptized I'm baptized with. I wish I could tell you that your life will go smoothly and all your kids will grow up without incident. But that would be a denial of obvious reality and of the Bible's teaching. So what is the purpose of a wilderness experience? Well, for the Gadarene maniac, it brought him to Jesus and, and worked for a testimony for the gospel throughout his whole community. Mark chapter 5, verse 20 says, He departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all the men that did marvel. Now, we talked just in Sunday school class about a prison ministry. Some people have to have a wilderness experience so radical that they get arrested, they get put before a jury, found guilty of a crime. They're so bad that the society that they live in says you're not fit to walk among us because you're, you're going to hurt us if you walk among us. So we're going to put you in an animal cage, a little cage with an exposed toilet, no privacy. You can't have any instruments to hurt yourself. On and on it goes. The humiliation can just strip search you. The humiliation just keeps getting deeper and deeper. But that is the wilderness experience that some of those men had to have to get saved. I've done enough prison ministry to tell you that people get gloriously saved in prison. 
the man that led my mom and dad to Christ when they were 33 years old, Harold Hofflinger, was in the 10 most, where's my FBI guy? He's sick today. He was, there in the 10, he was in the 10 most wanted of the, they used to do an FBI 10 most wanted. He was in the 10 most wanted for bank robbery. He got caught, put into jail, served his time, let out, became a preacher. Because he got saved in jail, brother. Somebody got to him. And, and you know, people say, well, do they ever live for God outside of jail? Well, he started a little church down the way from my mom and dad. And my mom and dad heard the gospel. He came over to the house, led them to Christ. Both of them got saved. I, they got saved because of that. Their kids got saved. Uh, my, my wife got saved. My, my, my children have gotten saved. My grandchildren have trusted Christ. And it went down through the deal from a guy that was an ex-con that couldn't vote. They couldn't have a weapon. They barely could hold the job. The only people who hire him be preachers. <laughs> you remember a girl that dove into a, I don't know whether it was a creek or a lake, and she broke her neck. You remember that? Her name was Johnny, J-O-N-I. J-O-N-I. I read the book. I just want to lay down on the floor and cry. I read that book, it was still the sorrow of what happened to a girl. Now, you know, sometimes I get sick or have trouble. I'm just, and I feel like a sissy. No amens. I feel like a sissy compared to somebody like that. Broke her neck, paralyzed from the neck down. She first became well-known because she painted with her teeth. She put a brush between her teeth and painted pictures with it. Would I have had that good of attitude? When God stripped me of my legs and my arms and my use of my body, how would I have come out of that? She, got, she was saved, wrote books. She's written books, reached hundreds and thousands of people for Jesus. And she would never have been known, and you never would have known her name had she not been driven into the wilderness. I think of the Marine. I can't think of his name right now, but he was lost both of his legs. And he preaches out of a wheelchair. Preaches all over the country. That boy would have never been known. His name would have never been known had he not had that bomb go off and take his legs off. But I didn't. Man, you're learning something. A wilderness experience, God doesn't come to you and tap you on the shoulder and say, would you like to go through this? Because your answer is always going to be, huh, not me, Nick maybe, but not me. I mean, somebody else, but not me. I mean, if you'd come to Johnny and say, Johnny, God's got an unbelievable life for you. I mean, unbelievable. You're going to be paralyzed from the neck down. You know how humbling that'd be? Somebody dressing you? Somebody cleaning you? you know how humbling that'd be? Never to get better. What about Corey Ten Boom? I'm going to some of you older folks. World War II. I read her book. The humili humiliation that she went through. Nobody had ever known Corey Ten Boom had God not driven her into the wilderness. Not all wilderness and experience, for sure, are for the lost. And when they, the, the Christians have them, but when the lost have them, sometimes they don't end so well as the ones I just gave you for the Christian. But whether it be for the Christian 
or whether it be for the lost, all wilderness experiences not only drive us into the wilderness, but try to drive us to God. That's what it's about. It's about driving you. I use the word driving you to God because that's Bible. Driven you into the wilderness. All stretch you past your self-help abilities. All bring you to your knees and strip you of your pride. And sometimes any dignity left, even that is standing between you and God. I hate to say it, but pride repels God. And it takes a lot to get rid of our pride. Boy, oh boy, it's deep. I try to take pictures with people out here so that we can have a picture of you on our on our directory so that we have a computer directory called The Breeze. And I would like a picture of you because I'm visual. I'm not too good on names, but I am visual. And if I see you, uh, that amount of ugly goes in my deep-term memory. <laughs> and we have people that I'll meet out here and I'll say, would you be willing to have your picture taken for our directory? And they'll say, oh, my hair is not right. Well, look at that. I get up in front of everybody with that hair looks like that. And they'll say, you ladies are bad for that. Oh, you know, I haven't put my, I need to freshen up. I need to put, look, you look all right if you squint. <laughs> Wait a minute. You look beautiful. <laughs> Come on. Come on. We just want your picture. We just want to recognize you. You know, when you go to the jail, they don't ask you to comb your hair for the mugshot, amen? <laughs> I went to jail one time. I told this story before, and they mistook me. Mistook. Is that a word? I was mistaken for a fifth grade teacher here. I got to be careful. I was mistaken for one of the inmates, and I was waiting to get my picture taken so I could get a badge and minister in jail. I had a yellow sport coat on, canary yellow. <laughs> I wonder if they're going to shoot, they know where to hit. And so I got my canary yellow sport coat on, tie, and I'm sitting there like this waiting. Some guy grabs me an arm and roughs me up, man, throws me up against the wall there and says, look this way. I go, what do you mean? He says, look that way. <laughs> look that way. I got my picture taken, and I said, wow. I said, I'm just trying to get my mug shot here so I can go into jail. He said, what do you mean going to jail? I said, well, I'm a pastor. <laughs> I guess pastors look like they belong in jail, probably do. <clears throat> Your pride and my pride will keep me from God. And God in His mercy and His kindness and His goodness doesn't want you to miss Him. He doesn't want you to miss Him. And so He'll drive you as a born-again Christian into the wilderness if it's necessary. He'll stretch you and He'll bring you into your knees. But lost people also, man, get saved when they get driven in the 
wilderness. I think of some lost people that were driven in the wilderness. They were saved literally hours before they died. This is in my experience. Joseph Klein, some of you, you know Joseph Klein, you know Joseph Klein. He was a hard case. Oh, Joseph Klein, he was a German, he was a, a, a soldier in the Nazi army. Now, he didn't like to tell anybody that. His wife was German, he was German. They came over here after World War II, and he tried to stay away from that past. He was with a, German, he was with a Hitler youth, and then he fought in the war, because he fought or died. And so he fought in the war, and when it was all over, he came over here, and uh, his wife wanted him to be saved. Boy, she, she wanted him to be saved. She was a wonderful Christian, and, and she said, would you come over and talk to my husband, jo Joseph? Joseph. So I went over there a few times. I'll be honest with you, it was just like hitting a wall. German. You know what I mean by German? They keep clean houses, but they are tough to get saved. They're a clean group of people. But man, oh man. And so, man, I just didn't, you know, it was nothing, no response, no nothing. He just sat there like a stone. You know, he'd been through a lot. He told me his World War II experience, by the way, and how he had been through so much, and he had soured him on life and people and God. And, of course, his wife was right there living a Christian life in front of him. Uh, she died. I went over to Joseph's house. I walked in. It was a wilderness experience. She was his whole world. And he was lost. And I talked to Joseph after she died, and he was interested in the, in the gospel. To make a long story short, he got saved. He got born again shortly before he died, which wasn't too, too far down the road. Another phone call I got, another guy that was in the wilderness experience was a guy named George. George was dying. He, he had a, just a day or two to live. His, his uh, daughter called me and said, my dad's dying, and would you come over and talk to him? But I want to warn you, he's cussed everybody out that comes in. Anybody that tries to tell him about the gospel, he just cusses them out. It's his whole life. But George was in a wilderness experience. He had just been told what none of us want to hear. You're getting ready to die. He was home, in bed, in a hospice bed at home, her house, and uh, Debbie Braden. It was her daddy. And so they called me out in the middle of my study day. I'm busier and two people. And I said, man, I called all my deacons. They were busy. All of a sudden, they don't answer their phone. <laughs> and uh, I can't get a soul. I called everybody I can. I thought... I went out to Jesus. You know, I have nothing to give these people on Sunday if you keep this up. That's how bad I am. But I'm going to go. That's my attitude. And I'm going to tell him off. And he's not going to cuss at another preacher. And so I go in the room with that attitude. I'm ready to knock the guy out. I walk in there and say, hey, George, I'm Bill Whitell, Pastor Gospel Baptist Church. I heard you're going to die. <laughs> he's laid his head. I'll never forget the sight. I, I looked at him, and his, his lips started quivering, and tears started running down the boy's face. 
I went, what is going on here? I said, you know, I wasn't quite over it yet. I said, George, you know if you die, you're going straight to hell. And with just a little, he couldn't, he didn't have a lot of strength. He said, I know. Well, now I'm, I'm getting broken now. I had to repent of being the way I was so I could help him. And I said, oh, Lord, here. And I said, George, can I give the gospel to you? He said, please. Gave the gospel to George. Would you like to trust Christ your Savior? Tears, some emotion. I would. And he trusted Christ his Savior. In the wilderness. Nine hours later, he went on the other side. I, you don't have time for me to go through the list here I got here. Kathy's grandfather, Harry Grisby. Old crusty Grandma Helen which drank a fifth of whiskey every day. And those skinny women, don't you ever, don't you ever underestimate old skinny women? <laughs> I think it was, I think it was Jim Beam. But I mean, she had empty bottles all over her house. Them big ones. She had to pay old men to take the bottles away so nobody would know she was drinking that much. My neighbor, John Mitsos, 45 years old, died of uh, some lung condition where your lung gets hard. He wouldn't hear me till he got in the wilderness. I went in the hospital and I'd, I said, John, you're dying, man. I am. And I remember John putting his little hand in mine. and now John was 45 years old. And when I looked at his hand, his doctor, his skin was transparent. Where, where's Lansdorf? Lansdorf. His skin was transparent. You know what that means. Trans you could see into his hand. I guess that's a lack of oxygen or of, of saturated oxygen or something. I don't know, but his lungs weren't working. I said, John, you need to be saved. Gave him the gospel. He got saved. He got saved in the wilderness. It was the next week he went to heaven because of the blood of Jesus and not by the works that he'd ever done for sure. Like the thief on the cross, he didn't have time to get baptized. He didn't have time to join a church. He didn't have time to tithe. He didn't have time to do anything he could do. All he could do was by simple childlike faith trust Jesus, and he did. Wow. What's important in this life is your soul's salvation. That's what's important. And God holds it more important than you hold it. Matthew 16, 26 says, For what is a man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? If God has to strip you of what is keeping you from eternity or keeping you from being hot for him, you know, hot or cold, don't be, don't be lukewarm. And he'll do it. For the Christian, the wilderness experience does the same thing it does for the unsaved. It drives them to God. It throws you off balance. It takes your fingers off those things which hinder your spiritual walk. It clarifies what is real and what's not real in this life. It magnifies what is necessary. It explains deep truths of relationship and fellowship. It separates the body from the spirit. What I mean by that, it 
lets you realize the difference between your spirit and your body. It instills gratitude and humility and contriteness and brokenness. It defines our temporal condition on this old earth. You see, prosperity spiritually is a destroyer. Psalm 30 verse 6 says, In my prosperity I said I shall never be moved. Job 15.21 says, A dreadful sound is in his ears. In prosperity the destroyer shall come. I never wanted to go to a wilderness experience and neither will you. That's why I have to be driven as Jesus was driven, as a gathering maniac was driven. But while in there, and I exhort you this morning, while in that wilderness experience, get what God has for you. Get what God, look for what God has for you in that experience. If lost, get saved. If saved, get right, get contrite, Get real. Establish your relationship with the Lord Jesus. Because one way or another, you're going into the wilderness experience. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a few minutes together with these folks. May they understand what it means when trouble comes in their life. May they not take it cavalier or casually. But may they believe that the hand of God has allowed it to come. However severe, heartbreaking, or horrible it may seem, may they get what it comes for. May they be humbled and contrite in their life to turn to you. Father, help us. Help us to have ears to hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. May we have ears to hear what was spoken today. There could be some here without Christ and you have been walking relatively easy through life. The only way I can define it is the most cursed man on earth are those who have prosperity all the way to death and miss Jesus. What a horrible group of people. For what does it profit them to gain the whole world lose, lose their own soul? And as a Christian, I want to be a better Christian. And if trouble makes me a better Christian, drives me more to God, and it does, then when trouble comes, you have to put your arms around it and embrace it as something good from God to help you for all eternity. Help us now this morning. May your spirit work among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.